Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. Well, welcome everyone at our Vallejo campus and online, those of you in the room here. Um, we are in the middle of this series uh, through the book of John, John's Gospel, John's account of the life and ministry of Jesus. And what I love about John's Gospel is that it'll be able to relate to wherever you are at in your faith journey. Um, because one of the things that we found in the very first week is you can start following Jesus before you're really a believer of Jesus because that's what his disciples did. It took them three years of following Jesus before they got to the point where they really believed. And John's Gospel is all about believing and what that looks like and, and living in this relationship with him. So you might be here and maybe you've, you know, you've been in church all of your life and you think you know all of the answers. Maybe you're here and you've been gone and not been involved or engaged in church for a long, long time for whatever reason and you're just re-engaging. Or you might even be here and you've, this is your first time you ever set foot inside a church and you, you're just kind of wondering what this whole Jesus stuff is all about. Well, that's why I'm glad that you're here because that's what this series is going to help every one of us do. Um, because John, in the very beginning of his, his gospel, says that Jesus came to make God known. So, if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. If you want to know what it's like to know God, get to know Jesus. Because if you move in the direction of Jesus, you will discover who God is. Because that's at the heart of why he came. So, today we're going to be looking at another section. Um, and, and this is a really good description of what it means to know God. To know and to be known by him. And Jesus used some very common everyday imagery to help give this idea across. So if you want to follow along, John chapter 10, this is what uh, John wrote. Words of Jesus. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. And Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be kept safe. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. A hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. Man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and the authority to take it up again. 
Now, he's using a very common figure of speech, very common imagery that would be common to those days and to those people, but not so much to us, because I don't know that anybody in here is actually a shepherd and knows a whole lot about sheep. Um, But in Jesus' day, that's pretty much what most people did. It was a very agrarian society, and and the crops were not all the best. that good, and so they were reliant very much on sheep. And so when Jesus used this imagery, he's, he's giving us this picture of a shepherd and sheep, and he's relating it to his relationship to us. And you actually find that all throughout the Bible, where this idea of shepherd and sheep is how God relates to his people. And so he's using something that's very common for them, but not so common for us. So I kind of want to unpack it a little bit today and, and talk about this idea of what it means to enter into this life that Jesus promised. He said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. Well, how do you get in on that life? Well, it has to do with this relationship like a shepherd to sheep. And for you and I and every one of us, it starts, it starts with just being honest about who I am. Because that's, that's the first step in any relationship. There always has to be this, this self-discovery and the self-revealing. Because um, no relationship happens until you start opening up. And, and the problem with that is that we all have this self-serving bias. That we all have this thing. We, we, we see ourselves far differently than everybody else around us sees us. We just kind of look through very subjective eyes. And we see ourselves as much better than we really are truthfully. Um, and an and example of that, if you're at a party and there's like one person who is totally dominating all the conversation, who is the one person at that party that has no idea that someone is dominating the conversation? It's that person. Or if you're in a choir singing together with a group of people and somebody is singing off key, who is the one person in that group of singers that has no idea that they're singing off key? The person who's singing off key. Because we have, this, we, just, we have this great ability to, to make excuses for ourselves or, or to see ourselves in a way that is different than anybody else. And, and there are parts of us that we don't even know about ourselves because there is a depth to every person that goes far deeper than what you see on the surface. Stuff about every one of us that we don't even see in ourselves. And so this whole idea of, of self-awareness and, and self-discovery and, and, and being honest with myself, it's got to start there. Because once I'm honest with myself, then I'm able to be honest, honest with God. And if I don't learn how to do that, by the way, that is an ongoing lifelong journey. Okay? You never get to the point where you fully see yourself as you are. So it is a lifelong journey. And if you don't go down that road, if you don't go down that journey, um, that you will constantly live most of your life propping up your image. And it's all about image management and, and, and a little bit of fear that comes with that because we can only be loved to the degree that we are known. And, and, and if we're spending all of our time propping up an image, then we're never really going to be loved in the way that we need love. Because love is about self-disclosure. It is about opening up. It is about taking that risk. And the good thing is that with God, you can do that. In fact, you have to because he knows you better than you know yourself. And that's what Jesus says. He says, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. And the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Now, that's a little bit of a scary thought in some ways. And yet, it is also very comforting to know that God knows me better than I know myself, and he still loves me. 
Last week, we talked about messy grace and how grace is messy because we are messy. And as people, we make messes all the time. And it's in the mess that we need God's grace more than anything else. And the beautiful thing, and in this story, it just kind of underscores it, that there is nothing about your past, there is nothing about your life that disqualifies you from God's love because he knows you the way that you already are. He says he calls him by name. And that's not just some words. That's, that's about identity. That it's truly understanding you. I don't know a whole lot about sheep. Um, but I picked up this book a number of years ago by Margaret Feinberg. It's called Scouting the Divine. And what she did was she actually spent some time, because there's this imagery that you find throughout Scripture, like a shepherd and sheep or the uh, vine dresser and the vine and all these things. So she said, I just want to see what that's all about. And so she spent some time in a vineyard with a, with a, 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 a winemaker to, to find out what it meant to be on the vine. And, and she spent some time with a shepherd by the name of Lynn uh, up in Oregon. And uh, so she went and spent a couple of weeks with Lynn, and she tells this story and what she discovered about her relationship with God, seeing Lynn's relationship with the sheep. And the first day they went out, and she says, as we followed the trail to the lower pasture, Lynn introduced me to, to the particular sheep. That's Opal, she said, pointing to the silvery ewe. She's a great mother, though this year she's more possessive of her lamb. Maybe it's because she gave birth to only one instead of two, and she lambed later than the rest. This is Iris, and her nickname is herself, Lynn added, scratching one of the sheep under the chin. She is self-confident and goes her own way. If there's an open door, she's the first to be out of it. Iris sure knows how to get into trouble, but on a warm, sunny day, she's also the first to come and lie down beside me. She pointed to a sheep that looked older than the rest. Its dark wool was uneven in length, and its face was scarred. The black one, that's Meggie. Lynn explained, she's 14, already two years beyond the average life expectancy. And as a granny, she'll stomp her foot if she gets mad at you. But make no mistake, she's loving and kind. One sheep seemed particularly taken with Lynn. She pushed against, against Lynn's leg in an effort to get additional attention. That's Hovida. She's just the sweetest. She likes to sit on my lap. She'll even nibble at my nose. I call her my lap sheep. Dove, who had a difficult pregnancy, abandoned her, but Iris adopted her. Love that, Iris. There's a lot of flock drama, you know. I didn't know, but I was quickly learning. Sheep and people share more in common than I'd ever dreamed. As we walked, Lynn described each sheep with the same tender attention to detail as a mother. When I saw, where I saw a flock of similar sheep, Lynn saw individuals with unique characteristics and quirks. Her affection reminded me that every person is being known intimately by God. Just as Lynn had a tender story with each of her sheep, each of us has a personal history with the shepherd. That he knows us by name. And, and, and all he asks of us is that we would be honest with him and with, our, with ourselves. And when we do, it sets a whole different cycle in motion. There is a cycle of knowing and being known. And the more that we know, the more we're open to being known. And the more we're being known, the more we get to know God. And there is this ongoing cycle that's opposite of this, the, the image management cycle. But it starts with being honest with who we are. And nothing disqualifies us from his love. Jesus in Luke's gospel tells another story. You might be familiar with this one. He said, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go out after the lost sheep until he finds it? See, that's 
the good shepherd. He doesn't give up on us, even, even when we wander. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. That this relationship with God is this process of knowing and being known. It's about honesty about who I am and finding that I am loved just the way that I am. And this is a beautiful picture of it. But there's more to it. There's also another part for us, and that is that if I'm going to live in this life that he offers me, then I need to trust in his ways. That I have to believe that his ways really are the best way to live. Jesus in Matthew's gospel, it says at one time he sits there and he looks out over this crowd of people that's coming to him and he says he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Sheep need a shepherd because they cannot fend for themselves. They're unable to find their own way. Um, they easily wander and get lost. They, they, they can't find good pasture. They need a shepherd to lead them away. They will wander. They'll get lost. They'll be vulnerable. And, and, and what happens is that he, as the good shepherd, he goes before us. Again, says this. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Again, let me read to you a little bit from Margaret Feinberg's book. Lynn says, shepherding teaches you how to lead from the front rather than the back. Whenever sheep are pushed, they'll respond in fear or anxiety, even when I, as their shepherd, do it. Pushing a sheep produces agitation. But when I go on ahead of the flock and call them by name, they follow me peacefully. They trust me and they want to follow. Anyone can lead by agitating, But leading in such a way that those behind you want to follow, that's an art form. And that's the way that God leads us. That's the way that Jesus leads us. He he goes before us. He calls us by name. He directs us in that path. But he always leaves the choice up to us. It's always up to us. He doesn't push from behind. He doesn't drive us with a cane. He just simply goes before us and calls and says, this is the way. Now, For a sheep, that might seem pretty confining. I would rather go this way. I would rather go that way. He says, no, no, the only safe way, the only beneficial way is to follow the shepherd. And what might seem confining to sheep is actually in their best interest. And it's the safest way to live. And the same way it is in our relationship with God. God says, this is the way to live your life. This is the direction I have for your life. And and you and I say, but I don't want to go that way. (laughs) I want to do it my way. He says, no, no. This is the best way to live. Like sheep, we need direction. Jesus said, he calls his sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them. And his sheep follow because they know his voice. Now, again, I don't know a whole lot about sheep, but... My daughter and son-in-law now are raising chickens. So I'm learning about chickens. I'm learning I don't like chickens very much, okay? Um, a couple of weekends ago, they were going to be out of town, and so it was our job to care for the chickens. And one of the things you have to do with chickens is in the evening, they don't know enough to go into the coop by themselves. You have to get them into the coop. And if you don't get them into the chicken coop, there's a predator that'll come and kill them. So... so my wife volunteered us to do this. 
So it's about sunset and we got to go over. So we go over to their house and we, she gets a little scoop of, of scratch and she taps the scratch and she shakes it a little bit. She goes, here chickens. And she leads them over to the pen and throws it in. And three out of the four chickens go right in. And there's one ornery chicken <laughs> who will not go in the pen. And he knows every hiding place in that backyard. And I'm, and I'm trying to, because Betty's guarding the door with the other three chickens, because now they're in. She's not letting them out. And, and so I've got this one chicken, and I'm trying to get him in. And, he, he'll, he'll just, and there's like shrubs and bushes, and I go this way, and he goes that way. And I, so I go to cut him off, and he goes back the other way. And he dodges me. He goes around behind the coop. He, goes, he, he knows all the tricks. And so I, I pick up a shovel, and, and Betty says, don't hit him. I said, I'm not going to hit him. I'm just trying to guide him. You know, I got my shovel over here, and I'm in a hand. I'm trying to get him into a corner. And that stupid chicken. And, and finally, I just said, you know what? Fine. Stay out. See if I care. Get killed. I don't care. But he said, no, you can't do that. That's, that's, that's your grandchildren's chickens, you know? So finally, you know, I'm pushing around. But I found the more that I got agitated, the more the chicken got agitated. So chickens are a lot like sheep in that way, I guess. God doesn't hit us with a shovel. And he doesn't chase us down. Oh, he'll pursue us because he loves us. But he always just calls to us and he leaves that choice up to you and up to me. And very often his way is in conflict with my way. And very often there are things that I know are the right way to go, but I would much rather do it my own way. And there are times when I'm in a place where I'm not sure what the best next step is. But he is always there. See, to follow him is to trust him. And you trust him as you get to know him. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Sometimes I get people coming to me and say, you know, okay, like they're facing a big, big decision in life. And it's like, how do I know God's will? How do I know God's direction? How do you hear God's voice in, in all of this? And I love, I love what Dallas Willard says. He says, you can only find God's will. You can only hear God's voice as a part of a certain kind of life. That our goal is not just to hear the voice of God, but to be in a loving relationship with God. And that's exactly what Jesus is talking about. That as you follow him, and as you become obedient to the things... See, if we would just, if we would just obey the things we know we're supposed to do then the rest of it actually falls into line a lot easier. But it's all about trust. And God's ways will be in conflict, and there'll be times when we don't understand, but we'll have to follow anyway. He always leaves the choice for us, and it's always about obedience. And I really do believe that we will not trust and we will not obey unless we truly believe that God wants the best for us, that he is good, And that his ways are good. And we can follow him and trust him because he is good. Which means one more thing. That I'm going to have to rely on his care. That he's better at taking care of me than I am taking care of myself. He is our source of safety and security. Jesus said, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be kept safe. They will come in and go out and find pasture. Now, I love that wording because that that conveys this idea of complete security and safety, that I can come in and go out and not feel threatened, 
that I can, I can have this freedom about my life and know that I will be cared for because he's the one who cares for me. Now, you may have noticed as we read this passage, in verse 2, he talked about um, the shepherd going to the gate and entering through the gate to take his sheep out. But now he says, I am the gate. Which is it? Well, it's a really fascinating thing. Because in those days, in the village, um, when they were, everyone was in the village, there would be more than one shepherd in that village. And so they had like a communal-shaped pen. And there would be one gatekeeper for all of that. And then he would open the gate, and the shepherd would call them, and then hit their, hit, call his flock. They'd recognize his voice, and his flock would follow him. But when they got out into the open field, when they would get out onto the hillside, it was a different kind of setup. That all around the hillside, there would be these stone enclosures, if you will, with just one opening in them. And when they were out in the wild, when they were out on the hillside, then it was each shepherd's job to care for their own sheep. And they would get the sheep in, and then they would actually sleep lying across that openness, that opening in the gate. And they would actually become the gate. The shepherd would literally lay down his life for the protection of his sheep. And that's the picture that Jesus uses. He says, I call my sheep. They know my name. I go out in front and I lead them. And they follow me. And then I keep them safe. Even in the wild. That's what he's talking about. Because sheep need a shepherd. Again, let me read. Lynn. What, Lynn, what happens to sheep without a shepherd, I asked. What would happen if you went away, even for a few weeks, and left your sheep without anyone to care for them? From across the kitchen, Tom, her husband, raised his eyes above the edge of the newspaper he'd been perusing. They'd be dead, he said, with conviction. It's not just predators like coyotes, she said. Parasites and poisonous plants can also kill healthy sheep. But probably the greatest threat is too much good food. Sheep often kill themselves by upsetting the delicate balance of their rumen, by eating too much grain or rich new green grass. Once the balance of their rumen is upset, they will die within a few days if left untreated. I noticed that Tom had placed the newspaper on his lap and was watching us intently. Tom, what kind of odds do you give? What kind of odds for survival do you give sheep without a shepherd? Zero, he said. But there's always a chance, I protested. Then whatever's closest to zero, he conceded. I looked to Lynn for some sign that Tom was wrong, but she just nodded in agreement. Her compassionate light brown eyes affirmed the bad news. Sheep are mutton on a stick without a shepherd. Without someone to protect, guard, and lead us, we are like sheep without a shepherd. Defenseless creatures who can destroy ourselves or be destroyed with equal ease. So shepherd need, uh, sheep need a shepherd because they're dumb and make lots of bad decisions, I clarified. Lynn's expression morphed into something grim, and I knew I'd hit a nerve. She looked at me intently with her eyes penetrating, her voice firm. Sheep are not dumb, she said. That may be one of the greatest mistruths about sheep. They are not dumb. They're defenseless. There's a big difference. Sheep are defenseless, and we are defenseless. I mean, think about a sheep. There is nothing vicious about a sheep. They don't have sharp claws to defend themselves. They don't have sharp teeth to defend themselves. They don't have pointy horns. They have no way of defending themselves. Even, even the cry of a sheep. How, what does a sheep say? Yeah, yeah. Say it louder. Say it louder. See, you're still not scary. <laughs> 
There's nothing about a sheep that is scary. They are totally defenseless. And they need a defender. And I think God created us defenseless because he is our defender. And we'll need to trust him. Now, I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life when I've wondered, God, are you there? Do you see what's going on? Do you you understand the situation I'm in? Do you care about any of this? And when I remember this good shepherd story, it reminds me, I may not always see him. I may not always see his care actively at work, but he is the good shepherd. In fact, that's what Jesus said over and over again. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, there are actually two Greek words, because our New Testament was originally written in the Greek language. There's actually two different words for the word good. There is the word agathos, and agathos has to do with being good and beneficial, as in he's good at his job of shepherding. But there's another word that's used for good, and it's kalos. And that word is not about good as in doing a good job as a shepherd, but good as in kind and honorable and good in character and noble. And that's the word that's used here. That it's not just that Jesus is really good at taking care of sheep. It's that he is good in himself. And we can trust him because he is good and we can trust that he will be good to us because it is his nature and his character to be good he is the good shepherd and in those times when you kind of wonder god are you there do you care do you understand what i'm facing right now it seems like you're not even paying attention to me you can trust him because he's the good shepherd Today we shared together in communion. It is that tangible reminder that we must do on a regular basis that this is the good shepherd who laid down his life for us. That he was broken in his body. That his blood was shared and poured out so that we would have this life that he promised to us. And you need never doubt his goodness toward you because he demonstrated it fully on the cross. He said, I laid down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me. This, this, this arrest and mockery of a trial and this, this unjust death sentence that was placed on him, that wasn't, that, no one did that. He voluntarily laid it down. Oh yeah, it looked like everybody else was taking care of it. But no, he says, I lay it down of my own accord. No one takes it from me. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. And that's your good shepherd. That is the one who knows you better than you know yourself whose ways you can follow and trust because he is good and whose care you can trust because he's that good shepherd. I want to read one more thing from the book. Jesus describes himself as the good shepherd, but I never knew what that meant until I spent time with sheep. Born in a stable, Jesus entered the straw and mud poo of our world for one reason, love. Love alone is what makes a shepherd good. If Lynn spent so much time caring and being concerned for her sheep, how much more does God care and demonstrate his concern for each of us? Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life.
Would you bow your heads with me? And for those of you at our Vallejo campus, your campus director is going to walk you through this next stage because what we do every week is we give people opportunity to respond. I am a firm believer that anytime you read God's word or study God's word or, or look into God's word, that there's some kind of response there for us to take. And maybe you're here today and, and maybe you're facing one of those kind of situations and you wonder, God, are you there? Do you care about what I'm facing? Do you care about what I'm going through? He's the good shepherd. He cares. And you can trust him even if you don't understand. Or maybe you're here today and you're, you're kind of struggling with an obedience issue. You know what God wants you to do. You know the right way to go in this particular situation. You just would rather do it yourself or go your own way. And maybe for you today, it's a moment of surrender. But wherever you're at, I want to invite you to make a decision. And just trust this good shepherd who knows you through and through who loves you through and through, who will lead you and will care for you no matter where you are or what you're facing. And if you're in one of those moments right now, if you're one of those places in life where you just need to trust even if you don't understand, or you just need to obey even if you don't want to, if I could pray for you as we close today, I would love the opportunity to do that. And if that describes you in any way and I could pray for you, would you just raise your hand and Hold it up for a moment. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe you're here today, and for you it's really a very first step of faith. Maybe for the first time ever, you're coming to the acknowledgement that I can't do this on my own. I, I, I make a mess of things all the time. And I need that new life. And that very first step is just simply being honest about it. And the moment you do that, you admit that need. The moment you do that and bring it to Him and ask for His forgiveness and His grace, He comes in and gives you that new life. And if you're here today and you've never taken that step of faith, but something today, something today God is using to poke you and prod you and saying, this is what you've been looking for. This is what you need. And today it's a very first step of faith. Same thing. Would you just raise your hand, hold it up so I can see you, look up, catch my eye so I can acknowledge you because I want to pray with you and for you as we close. Anybody? All right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to invite you into this prayer. Lord, you know me inside and out. Thank you that you love me just the way that I am. Thank you that you pursued me when I wandered. Thank you that you care for me even when I don't see you. Thank you that I can follow you and know that you have my best interests at heart. Today, those of us who've raised a hand, we're saying we need you. We need to know your presence. We need to know your forgiveness. We need to know your comfort. And today, we're acknowledging that. And we're being honest about it and just saying, would you take me in this situation? And would you lead me and guide me and make your presence known? I'm giving it up to you. I'm putting my life in your hands. In Jesus' name, amen.
you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California.